11, verses 33 through 36. No one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it under a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand, that those who come may see the light. The lamp is the body, the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when the eye is good, the whole body is full of light. When your eye is bad, the whole body is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. If then the whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body is full of light, as when the bright shining lamp gives you light. We, uh, excuse me, we, we might be nerds. <laughs> My family and I, at least the kids and I, I just got to look. Uh, we like old television shows and we like old suspense shows <clears throat> like Twilight Zone and, and, uh, and other shows like that, The Outer Limits. One of the shows that we have watched throughout the years is called Alfred Hitchcock's Hour, Alfred Hitchcock Hour. And there was an episode that we've watched how many times, Chandler? It's, it's, it's called The, uh, the Jar. <laughs> and this is a still shot of the show. And that jar that you see, and you can't see it real clearly, but you couldn't see it in the show either. And the premise is that there's a man who goes to a fair, and for $12.25, he buys this at a carnival. He buys this jar, and he brings it home, and it's a conglomeration of different things in the jar, and, and the people are sitting around, and they're trying to figure out what it might be. Is it an alien? Is it, is it a, a dead something? Whatever. And more and more people come from the community and they're looking at this jar and they have their opinions. And then some people get, they kind of get greedy and they want, they want the attention that the jar is bringing the man who bought it. And so they devise a plan and they're going to steal it and they take it out to the swamp and they're getting ready to break it open. And one of the men, anyway, it goes on and on until after everyone decides what it might be in their minds, they look at it and decide, it turns out that it was just junk. It was wire. It was clay. It was a little paper. It was a little cotton, yarn, some inner tube, some doll's eyes, and silk. But all those people saw something else, and all those people thought that what they saw was really what it was. All of our perceptions are wrong at different times. We, we perceive things, we look at things, and we take them in, and we get the wrong idea about them. And we looked at Luke chapter 11, and I want you to notice just one of the verses with me. It, it presents a concept that is kind of, for me, uh, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, okay, is this talking about thoughts or what you see? What you see is what's inside of you? Yes, it is. The idea that the lamp, the eye is the lamp of the body and it determines what we take into it and how we see it. And Luke 11.35, notice, therefore take heed or, or therefore watch out that the light which in, is, is in you is not darkness. In other words, based on our perspective of what we see, that's what will be in us. And we could see one thing and someone else might see another thing, but it's, it's the same object and we might see that as a blessing. They might see it as a curse. We might see it 
as a negative thing. They might see it as a positive thing. But our perspective determines what's inside of us based on what we see. The eye determines our viewpoint and our minds. How we think when we look at things determines what's inside of us. How, and we use that phrase, well, it depends on how you look at it. We're going to talk tonight about this idea of seeing something, looking at it from different angles, deciding what it is, and whatever you decide that you're looking at and how you feel about it, negative, positive, that's how you are going to be. And so the analogy of sight is really about thoughts. And we know, we know that we need to control what we think about, how we think about what we think about. We need to guard, we need to direct our thoughts, we need to protect them. We've, we've heard in the field of athletics, we've heard the, the idea of positive mind produces positive results. The first step, if you want to do archery, what's the first step? Picking up the bow. What's the second? Drawing that string back with the arrow in it. What's the third? Believing that you might hit that target and letting go. It's that power of positive thinking that you've got to get your mind into, uh, into a, a situation where you are thinking positively. The first step is thinking right. It's been said, here's, here's a quote that has been passed around throughout the years. You are today where your thoughts have brought you. You will be tomorrow where your thoughts take you. Another saying, and there are different variations to, to this. I had it in my office for a while, one of the variations, but it just says, uh, we've heard it throughout the years. Watch your thoughts. They become words. Watch your words. They become actions. Watch your actions. They become habits. Watch your habits. They become your character. And watch your character. It becomes your destiny. But it all starts with watching your thoughts. There's a connection between, between the thoughts that we have and how we live. How we become. And that's not psychology. It's, that's what the Bible tells us. The Bible teaches us that we need to control our thoughts. The Bible teaches us that if we allow our thoughts to dwell in the negative, we will be negative people. We allow our thoughts to dwell in the positive, we will be positive. We allow our thoughts to dwell on the godly, we will become more godly, and on and on. It goes. So we're going to talk about some of the negative directions that we might take as far as our thoughts are concerned. And then we're going to talk about some of the positive. But, but our spiritual destruction starts when we choose to allow our thoughts to move toward sinful. I should have taken that picture off a long time ago. Sinful tendencies. So we might dwell on some negative things. We might dwell on temptations. James chapter 1, 14 and 15, each one is tempted when? When he's drawn away from what? His own desires and enticed and then when what happens? Desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Sin, when it's full grown, being, brings forth death. It's been said, you can't stop a bird from flying over you, but you can stop it from building a nest in your hair, looking around, not looking at what you're not supposed to look at, not, looking, not thinking what you're not supposed to think when you look at a certain thing. That's a difficult thing to do. Temptations. You surround yourself with, with, with things that might make you have lustful thoughts. Photos, television shows, the internet. And what's going to happen? What will happen? 
You focus on something long enough, it's going, you'll go there. Your mind will see it when you close your eyes. Your mind will think it. Your eyes determine your thoughts. We dwell on temptations. We dwell on grudges. We do. What happens if I allow my thoughts to dwell on anger against my, against my neighbor, against my brother and sister in Christ? What's going to happen? Well, fruit will be born. Fruit will be born. Sinful actions eventually. What, what, what feelings? We'll have feelings of vengeance. We will want vengeance. We will talk about those people that we're carrying grudges against. We will tear them down. And if I let it, if I let these grudges work in me and build up in me, it will rot me from the inside out. Grudges. How long have we carried grudges? How many grudges have we carried how, how, how much have we, how many times have we not chosen to forgive someone, even though that would make us better people if we did? It would empty our heart of, of poison, our minds out of a, of a burden, and we can move on. Matthew 15, 19, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, and blasphemies. We allow our hearts to dwell on evil. We will do. What, what, what are we going to produce? We're going to produce evil. So what are we going to allow our, our hearts to op, occupy our hearts? It, whatever we do, whatever we put in there, it's going to dictate the course of our life. It, it can ruin our relationships. It can ruin our relationships with each other, our relationship with God. It can ruin our lives. So we dwell on grudges. We also dwell sometimes, think about this, on bad advice. Bad advice. Proverbs 12.5, the thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. The counsels of the wicked are deceitful. When I was a kid, we went to... Uh, we went down south, south Oregon from Washington State for a family reunion. <laughs> and we went out to the country, to a farm. And I had cousins, distant cousins, who lived on that farm. And I had experienced electric fences before. I had. And I knew what they were about. And my brother and I had dared each other to hold on to them and, and, and see how long we can hold on to them. My granddad had horses and cattle, and so he had the electric fences. But these kids who lived on the farm came to me and said, here's what we're going to do. You, I, we don't want you to touch that electric fence. You don't have to. Because you can get shocked by just holding a long piece of wire over that fence, but it won't be that bad. So why don't you try that? And I didn't realize how high this fence had been turned up. But I held that rod out and, I, and they said, is it, is it shocking you yet? Just hold it there for a second. It won't be that bad. Is it shocking you yet? No, it's not shocking. And, and one of them reached over and hit it. And I couldn't stop it. And it hit. And I got hit. The counsel of the wicked. Don't listen to it. It will shock you. It will shock you. They're deceitful, the counsel of the wicked. Don't listen to them. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 and 34. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. We know that. We've experienced that. Awake to the righteousness. Do not sin. For some not, do not have the knowledge of God. 
don't hang around those people who don't have a knowledge of God. Don't allow your life to be built around those people. We want them to have a knowledge of God from us, but don't build your lives around them and rest on them. We have to choose who we're going to hang out with. We're going to have to choose who we're going to listen to. If we, if we hang around positive people, what are we going to end up being positive? Unless we're so negative, we turn them negative. If we hang around ungodly people, we're going to drift toward ungodliness. But if we hang around godly people, we will become more godly. Righteous people will help us be righteous. That's part of the reason that God recommends these times of coming together as a family and worshiping God. Recommends these times and those times of fellowship where we get to get those times where we are around positive influences and not people who give us bad advice. You know, we can change our thought direction. Colossians 3, 5, Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. You know what that implies? Again, and I'm going to hit on this for a couple of times. That implies that you have a choice. Therefore, you do this. You put to death. Therefore, you decide that you don't want these in your life. Therefore, you make a decision to eliminate these from your life. Do we need God to do it? Yes, absolutely. Do we need his help? Absolutely. But it's our choice. It's our decision to do this. Put to death your members which are on earth. You know, we don't even have to mentally focus on these things. We just can put to death. We don't mentally focus on, we don't, we don't put something to death and then you don't kill a cockroach and then, well, maybe you do. comes back to life and then you have to kill it again. But once, you, once it pops, sorry, but once it pops, it's done. And you don't have to, except for some women in my life that I know who will keep killing it over and over again. But really, with, with things like this, you don't have to keep killing them. Just consider them dead. Consider them dead. Not an option. Just move on. We kill them and then we choose to occupy our minds and our thoughts differently to, to, to use our eyes and put good light into us. And we, we exclude, we decide to exclude things that are going to tempt us and draw us in the wrong direction. We decide to cut those out of our lives because we're putting to death fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire. And so we make a decision to choose our reading materials better, our, our, what we see, what we view, make better decisions about that. And so they'll lead us to a better life. Look at Romans 12, 2. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't fit into its mold, but be transformed. Why? How? By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what, the, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be conformed. Don't conform. Rebel against the world, yes. Don't go with it. Don't go with it. Swim against the current. So again, it's our choice. We make a decision. Are we going to choose to be transformed into, be something, into being something better? By renewing our mind, our, our thoughts, 
Well, how do we renew our mind? Renewing your mind with what? By, by learning more about God. How so? By reading the scriptures and learning about him. How, what, how else can we renew our mind? Being around people and discussing God and the scriptures and how Jesus is working in our lives. Discussing ways that we can better spread the gospel. Talking about godly things rather than worldly things. That were so, worldly things are so easy to talk about. Sometimes it takes work and concentration to talk about those godly things. So we got to change how we think and what we think about. And what we think about determines how we think and vice versa. So we have a choice. We have the power. Obviously, we have the power to not be conformed. And we have the power to decide to be transformed. We have the power to decide to put to death those evil, earthly, worldly things. And we have the power to decide just to let them stay in us. We have the choice. We can change who we are by what we see, the light that comes into our body, how what we are as we think about directing our thoughts. And so we're going to talk about some positive ways, some positive directions. And so we'll start with holiness and devotion. Holiness and devotion. We want to think about holiness. What does holiness mean? It means to be set apart and sanctified and and set aside for a special, to be holy. We want to think about this idea of God taking us, setting us aside for special things to, to think about and to do and to talk about and to experience and to share. Setting us aside. Holiness. And then devotion. We want to think about we want to look for things that will allow us to think about how much we care about God, how committed we are to him, how devoted we are toward him. And so how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to dwell on spiritual thoughts. Think spiritual things. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. If, if then you were raised with Christ, seek Seek, did you hear that word? Seek in Colossians 3 1. Seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Why? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? To set your thing, mind on things above. Well, because that's where you want to go. That's why. I think Amy was doing a. a Speaking at a, at a lake, you asked me, she asked me to tell her about mowing the lawn. thought that was a weird thing. Did you talk about mowing the lawn in your ladies' thing? Okay. She, she asked me about it and then didn't use it in her talk. And she wanted to know uh, about this idea of mowing in straight lines. Well, I'm not a good lawn mower, and I'm not a good straight line lawn mower but I can do a straight line if I find at the end, and I've got this long section of yard, and if I find at the end of the section, at the end where the grass ends, a little point of reference, and I just stare at that. And I don't know if, well, people in our neighborhood probably think I'm weird already, but when I mow, I'm like this, just staring at that place, staring at that place. And I don't break eye and my eyes are burning, but I'm going to make it to that place. And when I look back, straight row. And then I think, well, since that's so straight, I'll just follow the line that I'm, uh-uh, doesn't work like that. You got to find another point of reference and, and look at that. Set your mind on things above. Go there. That's where you're going. Look at it. Focus on it. Focus on it. 
we, again, we have the power to choose and we can direct our thoughts. Apparently, set your mind on things above. Philippians 4.8, in this vein, spiritual thoughts. You can turn there. I'll give you a minute. to. It's a little, it's one verse, but it's quite a few words. Some good things. You eliminate, you put to death those worldly things, those things, those lustful things, and, and, and pride and, and, and fornication. You put those things to death, and now you've got this void. So you've got your mind, and you've got to train it to think differently. But what are you going to do? How are you going to work on that area of your life? Well, Philippians 4, 8, finally, brethren, whatever things. Now, let's just drop to the end. Meditate on these things. Philippians 4, 8, the end of 8. Meditate on the, those things. What things? Finally, brethren, what true. Think about that. What's truth? Jesus is the truth. The word is the truth. Meditate on that. Think about that. Not just, well, I think, I'll think I think about the word. I'm done. No, meditate. It takes time. Whatever things are noble. What is noble? What, what, well, what is nobility? What's royalty? You mean like a king? Absolutely. Things that are noble. Whatever things are just. What does that mean? Just, fair. Well, God's fair. Yeah, think about him. Meditate on him. Whatever things are lovely. What are lovely? Well, this, you know, there, there are areas in the world that are not so beautiful. And I, I graduated high school from an area in Colorado that is not so beautiful. It's flat. The buffalo grass is green about, I don't know, for two days out of the year. The rest of the time it looks dead. It's windy. It's dry. And if you looked at it, you would think, this is Colorado, where are the mountains? Get me out of here. But my grandma was raised there, and, and, and she died She died in San Marcos, but she was raised there all of her life as a little girl out in the country on a farm. And she loved that land. And to her, it was the most beautiful land. It was lovely. And you can look around the world, in the world, and you can see the ugliest stuff. But I believe as Christians, if we can look around and see through God, we can see the most lovely things and then contemplate those things. What are lovely? What things are lovely? The first smile on a new baby. Ah, oh, that's lovely. Do they spit up? Yes. Do they make messes? Yes. Do they make noise? Yes. But that first smile on a new baby is a lovely thing. And meditate on that. Meditate on it. Whatever things are of good report. Good report. Have you heard any good news lately? I don't know. The gospel, that's, that's literally the good. Have you heard that lately? Have you talked about it? Have you meditated on it? Good report. Any virtue? What is virtue? Purity? Is there pu pu yes. You can think about God. He's pure. Anything praiseworthy. Aren't we here to praise God? Don't we come together to praise God? Can we not praise him on our own? Lift him up in our prayers, our thoughts, our songs. Everything that we do, can we not? What is praise? God is praiseworthy. If you can't figure out what to think of, what to fill your mind with, then just read Philippians 4.8 and, and meditate on it. And then, so we're going we're gonna to think about uh, holiness and devotion. We're going to think about spiritual thoughts. We're going to think like God. 1 Samuel 16.7 
here's what's happening. Saul is not going to be king anymore. He's failed in God's eyes. Samuel's not excited about that. But God says, you go and invite this man and his sons to a, to a religious ceremony. You're going you're gonna to get them ready. And then from Jesse's sons, I will pick out the man who will take Saul's place. And so one of his sons, Eliab, shows up. And Samuel says, oh, what about him? Look at him. That has to be the next king. And God makes this statement in Samuel 16, 7. He says, don't look at his appearance or his physical stature because I have refused him. That's not the guy. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For the man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. What was he after? Well, who's he going to choose? He's going to choose David. Why? Because David is a man after God's own heart. God sees that in David. Can we learn to look to think like God when we look at people? Can, can we learn to do this? Can we learn to see the good inside of a person, even though on the surface they might not look so inviting? Can we learn not to judge people by their outward appearance? This idea of thinking like God. Psalm 8, 3, and 4. And then when I consider when I consider your heavens. We're going to get back to that in a second. I think I missed one. Anyway, if you would turn to Matthew chapter 16, verse 23. Matthew 16, 23. <laughs> now Peter has just got through saying to Jesus, you, you're the son of God. And, and, and he gets accolades for that. But in 16, chapter 16 of Matthew, Jesus is talking about how he's going to have to be killed. And he's going to have to be killed so he can be raised. And Peter doesn't like the sound of that. And so in 16, 23, he turned and said to Peter, Peter says, you got to stop talking like this. You, you're not going to die. You can't go through. You've got to stop talking like this. In Matthew 16, 23, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. Which That's not what Peter wanted to hear. But he says, you're not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. You're not seeing. You're not thinking like God. When you see like God, you can think like God. You're not thinking like God. You know, we're born and raised to think about men's way, aren't we? You can set your mind on God's interest. You can set your mind on your interests or God's. That's under your control. That's under our control. But what are we naturally interested in? First and foremost, we're interested in us, ourselves. I mean, instead of our goals, we, get, we need to think, what, is, what are God's goals for me? What does he want for me to do, accomplish? Where, where does he want me to be? And where does he want me to go? Where does he want me to end up? Well, he wants me to end up in heaven. Am I, am I doing that? Am I following his will? What's he planning for me? And how am I going to let plans come to fruition? Or am I going to try to thwart them? Am I willing to be used by him? Am I willing to talk to others about it? Am I willing to show others how he operates? Am I really willing to try to bring hope and encouragement to the hopeless and the discouraged? 
Am I willing to try to use God and his word and, and Jesus and his sacrifice to help people rebuild their, their, their lives, to transform their lives? Finally, I did uh, in holiness and devotion dwell on God's love. Started reading Psalm 8, 8 3, 3 through 4. God's love is life-changing. We, we have to admit that. God's love is life-changing. It's power. And, and you have to understand, or try to, I, I, haven't, I haven't grasped this idea yet, that God loves me. That, who is God? The, the creator of the world, of the universe. He's created all things, and he knows all things, and, he, and he's everywhere at once. But he singles me out in a way in my life. He showed me how he loves me by sending his son. So that works for you as well. But Psalm 8, 3 through 4, when I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, wow. And I, I realize how powerful you are. The moon, the stars, which you have ordained. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? It doesn't say, why don't you? Visit him. Why don't you interact? It says, what am I that you show attention to me, that you show me your love? I, it just It's hard to imagine that God would take time to think about me and my salvation, but he did and he does. He cares about my troubles. He cares about my situation. And he cares about your situation as well, spiritual. So, what are we going to choose to think about? Well, what are we going to choose to see? And how are we going to see what we see? And how will that determine how we think and the light that's in us and the light that comes out of us based on what we think about how we see? And it sounds kind of like a tongue twister. Speaking of tongue twisters, we have a book, and maybe you have a book as well. Oh, the thinks you can think. Not the things you can think, but the thinks you can think. Dr. Seuss. And it just encourages children to use their imaginations. And at the end, it's think left, think right, think low, and think high. Oh, the things you can think up if only you try. In other words, we have decisions to make. What are we going to see? How are we going to see it? And what are we going to think about when we see it? When you Picture in your mind's eye a man hanging on a cross and the only reason that he is there is because of our sin. What do you think of when you picture that? You think of, wow, that's, that's harsh. Or do you think, wow, I did that. That's because of me. When we look at someone who's not in Christ, do we see someone who... God loves and wants to be in Christ? Or do we just see someone to gloss over, to pass over? That's wrong. So, so as we end and we offer this invitation, we extend this invitation, it is for Christians to think about. It. One aspect is for us as Christians to think about this idea. What have I been thinking? The things that I can think. Are they godly, ungodly, spiritual, unspiritual? Are they right? Are they wrong? Are they hurtful? 
hurtful or helpful, encouraging or discouraging? What are the things that I've been thinking? And do I need to change? And if I need to, why don't I? Some of you might not be Christians. Some of you might not have had your sins forgiven by being baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of those sins. And you're here and you might be ready to, to go through that process because you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You believe that he died for your sins. You believe that you are a sinner and you need to repent of those sins. And you believe that you'll confess him before men and then put him on in baptism. And you will see the world and think differently of the world from there on out. Because you'll be focusing on heaven from there on out. If you're ready to do that, if you need to respond in any way, let us know now as we stand and as we sing. Our God, Jesus Christ.